Hello, Golden Knights fans. Welcome once again to the Big Talks Podcast. I am Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We've got a great show. The great Arthur Staple is going to join us. We're going to break down the Islanders' early season and off-season moves. We're going to get around the league, look at all the injuries that are going on with everybody. But uh, the Golden Knights are off to their worst start in franchise history. So <laughs> <laughs> let, let's get into that, Chris. Good day to you, sir. Yeah, I guess we could push the red panic button. Uh you know, it's amazing uh, that that this this really didn't happen at all last year. I mean, I know they lost the last four games of the year to the Caps, but we were talking about the Stanley Cup Finals at that point. You, I texted you, and you reminded me there was one three-game losing streak at uh, at all last year. Yep. It must have come much later in the season. I don't recall it happening early. Um, I mean, they really uh, did not have much of a hiccup last year. I mean, I know this time last year they were going through all the different goalies, but they were still winning, if you will. Um, And we were just talking off air a bit about, uh, you know, just the differences, the small difference, the razor-thin difference in this league in terms of winning and and losing. I I mean, it's not like they've, uh, uh, you know, I mean, again, they're not playing up to their standards, but, you know, they're not playing – God awful for 60 minutes. We were just saying the other night against Washington, so it was, they played a really good game. The problem was they they took too many penalties or penalties they shouldn't have taken. And against that power play, especially the way it's going, uh, you know that, that, that's a problem. And, and obviously, you know we'll get into it, but you know missing two of their top six forwards in Stasny and and Tuck, and then missing one of their top four defensemen is not going to help anybody either. So you know hopefully this. Kind of a big game. I mean, I don't want to say game, uh, you know, game six of the season is you know a must win, but they're they're one and four, right? And um, uh, you know, you, you know, two and four sounds a heck of a lot better than one and five. Yeah, for sure. The actually, I'm I'm looking at it. There's two three game losing streaks last year. They had uh, okay. at the end. At the end of October, you had Islanders, Rangers, Boston. If you remember, that was the, uh, oh, the road yeah. trip of, of 18 goalies. And then at yep. the end of November, they had a Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg uh, going through December 1st. And that was it. The rest of the season, they didn't okay. lose more than two games in a row. And now, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, they're on the verge of, let's say, the second four-game losing streak in franchise history. Um if they don't pull out today's game against Philly and it's scoreless right now, starting the second period, um, you know, they're, they're not that far away. I, they've hit, I mean, no. the Washington game, I actually thought the Washington game was their best game. They hit, I believe five posts in that they were getting their chances. They were, they were doing what they wanted to do. The, the first lines got, I think three goals and, and six assists on the season so far. So they're doing their thing. Um, the second line's kind of been a, a, tale of different lineups. I think right now they're going with Pacioretty, Halla, and Nosek. They're creating a lot of chances as well, not putting the puck in the net. The Knights have only scored two games in each of the five, in each of the two goals in each of the five games. So, I mean, if you're averaging two goals a game and they've been outscored 19 to 10, um, they're almost averaging four goals a game against. You're not going to win many hockey games that way. 
but the goal, the the goals they're giving up is they're things that can be fixed. Put it that way. They're they're they have their pace. They have their effort. There's a little bit of chemistry that's still still trying to get put together with the second and third lines being mismatched a little bit with with Tuck out. They called up Hika. He seems to be providing a spark. Uh, they're on the third line with Eakin and Carpenter. Um, the defense pairs have been changed around again today. Um, England's still with Theodore, but they, they put uh, McNabb with Holder, Holden. Um, Merrill up with with um, Theodore, I guess. Um, so the changing changing things around. So there, there's still a little chemistry that's – and obviously Patches is new and, and Stastny's new – although out with an injury, maybe, what did we say? Uh, maybe for up to a month. So they're going to, they're going to have to do. Yeah. That's what Bob McKenzie said in, I don't know if it was before the game or during the game on the Wednesday night, uh, MS NBC, or MS NBC, uh, sports, uh, telecast. I think it was before the game. It's kind of a week to week thing, but it could be, it could be up to a month. So he got rolled I think over if you see him, kind yeah, of, it kind of like, uh, like if you're you have a pulling guard in, in football where um, one of the guys trips and rolls up over his legs and knees. It's got to be a knee or an ankle. Um, it, it wasn't a, a very nice looking play. So, um, so they, they're going to have some injury, and and obviously their number one defenseman. I think Nate Schmitz missed more than most people would think. I thought that they would be able to uh, sort of, sort of defense it by committee. Um, cause they did play such good five man defense, um, to a hockey last year, uh, as a unit, but, but with the, the chemistry still being put together with this group of golden Knights, um, that five man unit isn't, uh, it, the Pitts, the Pittsburgh game is a good example. They take a one, nothing lead uh, by the, by the way, they've only led for six minutes and 22 seconds of the season through, through five games and a period. Um, that's not going to get it done either. But the Pittsburgh game, they played pretty solid as well. Um, they they give two breakaways to Kessel, and, and he finds the back of the net, high glove on Subban. Um, but they, they seem to be getting the, the penalty kill under control. They seem to be controlling their defensive zone a little bit better. Um, the the Kessel uh, breakaways were the, – the Knights were set up in the offensive zone, turned it over – and Kessel sprung right up the middle of the ice both times. So, um, and they both ended up in the back of the net. And obviously, he had his hat trick goal as well. That was directly off a faceoff um, with a screen shot. You can't blame Subban for that one. But um, that, they're they're right there. They're, they're, there's just a few mistakes that they're making. And right now, they don't have the puck luck that they had last year. And it seems like every mistake that they make is is going in the back of the net. So uh, the, coming up next, they've got and, five. Go ahead. And and then they're missing, like I said, three really good players uh, from their squad. So um, yeah, you know, I sure. haven't uh, I haven't been able to find anything out about Tuck other than his lower body in terms of uh, what's the ETA on his uh, his comeback. I mean, well, he blocked you know, a shot Nate's with his gonna... foot in the in the last preseason game, and he hasn't been seen since. So it's some, something with his foot. Um, okay, but you know, probably a broken foot. 
could could be could be a deep bone bruise in the heel. It's hard to skate with that. Yeah. Um, you know, something maybe it was a pressure rupture. I saw that happen with uh Matt Green once he blocked a shot with a shin pad and uh the force of the shot ruptured ruptured his 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 shin and he's just pouring blood out of his leg. So that if if I mean if so, I don't know if something like that happened or not, but if it if it did, then that that's gonna take a while to heal as well. But um, I think broken foot, they'd be talking, they might've even put him on IR and called up uh, Branstrom and thrown him in cause they did call up Hika. So they might, they might've IR'd him, but, um, any, anyway, well, they've got five home games coming up next. They've after today, they come home and they play Tuesday night against Buffalo and then three days off again and then Anaheim and then three days off again and then Vancouver and then Tampa and Ottawa. So there's a few winnable games in there and they have, two, three game breaks um, where they can get on the ice and build that chemistry and, and um, you know, w- just work together as a unit a little bit more. So, you know, well, they've got that, when I find what, what I find interesting is um, the, you know, uh, these next, you know, today in these next five games, uh, homestands um, kind of, kind of big because after that, huge, Believe it or not, they go back on the road for the next six of seven, which stops in Nashville. Think they go Nashville's after the five game homestands. They go Nashville at Nashville at St. Louis, then they come back home, which is crazy to Carolina, and then they and go then back, back on the to road. Toronto, <laughs> all yeah, the way, yeah, yeah, all the way as far east as Toronto, and and I then mean, hit the the three that's, three game uh, that's, that, uh, Eastern Canada that trip, schedule? which is always tough. Tough for the Pacific Division. To go, um, you go who, St. Who Louis back to Vegas, off to uh, back to back home for Carolina, and then go Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Boston, back to back. That's kind of rude. And what's thing is, <laughs> and what's thing rude. is, like you, what you just mentioned before, Mark, about they come home, you know, they play Buffalo on Tuesday, and then they don't play till uh, Saturday. They play Anaheim. That. That change where they go away for two and come home for one and then go back out all the way to Toronto, um, there's not a huge time difference there. I mean, they play Saturday the 3rd at home against Carolina, and then yeah. they you, you, after the two-game road trip, which was th- ends Thursday in St. Louis, so that's the first, and then they come home to right. Carolina. And then th- that following Tuesday, You're they're in Toronto, Toronto which is you – know, and that's obviously going from the the West Coast time zone to the East Coast time zone. So yeah, uh, and you're playing four the, games the in six maker. days. You're playing four games in six days on that, finishing it with a Montreal Boston back to back. Kind of rude. <laughs> uh, that is that is that the schedule maker definitely didn't do. I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure if we looked at everyone's schedule, there's going to be a block of games where uh, the schedule maker didn't do them any favors, but. Um, again, I'd like to see them, you know, pull out the win here today, get a little revenge against Philly, who started their season with a loss, and then, and then, uh, uh, you know, come back, have a good home stand, at least be at that point in a position of having the record back to 500 if possible. That's got to be the goal right now. Knights to the power play. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, – uh, that's all good. Wow, I didn't. I didn't like. I said I knew they they had this. I kind of just looked at the first block of games to start the year, and I knew they had this right. five game trip. Yeah, know, everybody was focused opener. on, but it's uh, yeah, it's, right. it's rough all the way all the way through, pretty much towards Thanksgiving. Um, 
by the time by the time you get off that Boston trip, it's the second week of November, and then still you only have two home games there, and then one day off to get up to Edmonton and Calgary back to back, and then fly all the way back to Arizona for a Wednesday game, and then you're home. Uh, they have a lot of home games. They're going to have a lot of home games in the second half because... uh, because So there you got five games in seven days, too, for the third week in the month. Pretty big. Yeah, because then they come... Again, they come back home after the Arizona game for two and then go back on the road again for three, Chicago, Vancouver, Edmonton. So they're going to have a lot of home... The the plus of all this is they're going to have a lot of home games, you know, basically, you know, from whenever it kicks in. January, seven out of ten. February is... Eight out of fourteen or thirteen, it looks like, and then March is six out of nine. So the the last three months of the season, if they're chasing, at least they'll be, you know, in the friendly confines of T-Mobile Arena. But uh, if you get too far behind the eight ball, these points, you know, the cliche, these points. Oh yeah, they do in May. Um, They got to start putting. You want to get off to that. You want to get off to that good start. So. so why don't we uh, why don't we jump uh, to uh, around the NHL and you know one of the nice early surprises and kudos to our buddy Mark Shike who who uh, jumped on for our Metro Division uh, preview show and he was high on the Carolina Hurricanes he he yep. said I see I see playoffs for them I see a wild card spot off to a nice start three zero and one you know Aho doing hit Aho and Jordan Stahl doing his thing. Furland, who came over with Dougie Hamilton's off to a good start. Uh, you know, everyone was focusing on Zvetsnikov and Nikas, and rightfully so, but this youngster, Warren Fogel's off to a really good start. Zvetsnikov, by the way, uh, as an you know, 18, 19-year-old rookie, two goals, two assists in his first four, game, first four games, so that's not too shabby. Um, uh, even with, with, uh, with the injuries, uh, they're, off to, they're off to a nice start. Yeah, the goalie injury with uh, Darling. They're off to a nice start. Yeah, Carolina looks good. They put uh, the C on Justin Williams, and that's never going to be a bad thing, in my opinion. Justin Williams is, is was one of the leaders on the Kings championship teams. So he's, he's leading the way, show, showing showing them how it's done. And, and you know, kudos to Carolina. They, you know, a couple changes in the offseason with some – you know some big players that usually you wouldn't you wouldn't move, but um, so far the early returns are in and and it's looking good for Carolina. Also early in the season, um, despite another spate of injuries to the Anaheim Ducks, um, they're off to a very good start. Well, hey, look, we all know John Gibson's a really talented goalie. Uh, and I think we're waiting to see for him to take that next step, right? Or at least, you know, this is a guy who was a few years ago, I guess now. He's still young. I think he's like 25 or so. Was the number one prospect in all hockey. And maybe this is going to be the year that, you know, you when you talk about who's in contention for the Vesna, you know, John Gibson's going to be in that in that uh, in that thought process. You know, obviously it's early, but you know, one four four goals against, nine five five save percentage. Look, he's a top. He, he 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 just if he can play sixty games, we know they have a good defensive unit and they play good team defense. It seems like everyone's pitching in uh, offensively, and you know they can win a lot of three-two contests. I mean, Ryan Kessler came back, scored a goal the other night, so that was that was a good thing to see. 
They're going with a lot of young kids. Silverberg's also a good start. You got a lot of young forward kids. So um, the, the Ducks might be, you know, again, I mean, I, they may not, other than their goaltending, blow you away in terms of, you know, like an Austin Matthews has no, nine goals in five games. They yeah, may not yeah. have anyone like that, but, but you know, they might they might uh, pile up the wins this season and, and be one of those top three teams in the Pacific. Well, I, I was surprised to see Kessler come back. Um, you know, there was talk he was going to sit the whole season out, but I guess with Getzlaff and Perry um, both missing time now, along with the other injuries they have, it's uh, they don't have much choice, I guess. And uh, apparently he's healthy enough. So, I don't, look, you got three three rookies in your top six. Isn't a recipe for long term success. Um, if they get a couple guys back from injuries and they can start start filtering those guys back a little bit in the lineup, they're getting some good experience right now, um, playing with a little confidence. Um, then, then you get back into a more customary role. You probably um, take that confidence with you. And, you know, early season success could breed, could breed late season, postseason activity for the Ducks if they, you know, like we said last year, it's pretty much the same thing. If they can keep their head above water, and right now they're tied for second in the league with seven points, um, they keep their head above water until the the big guns come back from their injuries. Then uh, Gibson probably be be you know good enough to carry him the rest of the way. The only thing you're concerned about is is uh, relying too much on him early in the season, and he starts to wear down a little bit come April, May, um, you know, but. You know, other than that, right now it's all it's all it's all pork chops and applesauce in Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not forget too. You know, Raquel led the team last year offensively, and it was you know, so he he's a guy that they need to step up. Uh, uh, you know, as well, and Adam Henrique is a guy who's had some thirty goal years uh, out in New Jersey. So, you know, they they need those other guys. They just need the kids to play two way hockey and kind of, and contribute. And you know, so far so good. Um, you know, the kid Comtos is off to a nice start. He's got a couple goals already. Um, so that, you know, again, they just, they're, they're not going to, they're not, no one's going to, I think, mistake them with this current roster for, you know, the production of Toronto, but, uh, in terms of scoring goals, although I'm sure Toronto would wish to have their goal, uh, Anaheim's goals against. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's an interesting, interesting start. And that, so that's the, that's the good side of the coin, I guess. So, you know, let's the, the the two other teams, and these are two of the stalwart teams you think of the league in Detroit and and the Rangers. Although the Rangers, when I originally wrote the outline, it was during Thursday night's game. It looked like they were uh, they were going to uh, go down to the Sharks. And let me say one thing: I know it's early. Let me say one point about the Sharks. If you're playing a sub-500 team or a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs. I don't care if the game's on the road. When you're goaltending in that group of defensemen and it's five minutes or less to go in the game, you've you got to win those games. You know, I mean, yeah. shame on them. for. Uh, but be that, I just had to throw that out there. But be that as it may, you know, the Rangers, they're off to not a great start. They had that night. They were an eyelash away of starting the year 0-4. They were 1-3. What's interesting out here is, you know, they've scratched. They scratched Kevin Shattenkirk the other night. Uh, I yep. think he'll be back. I think he's back in the lineup today. But they scratched him. 
Nemfingos, who they got from Tampa Bay. And Brian deal. He met. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, so I don't know what's going on. Like, I it's don't hard know to tell. what the range. You know, and I, I can tell you right now, both Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes are unrestricted free agents. You know, they're they're going to be shipped out between now and the deadline. So, I think this, this year is really going to be an evaluation year of the young guys that they have moving more other guys out to get to collect more prospects and picks. Uh, I mean, Lundquist has played well so far this year, but I don't really see anything else with the Rangers this year. Are they – is it too early to start tanking for youth? I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, well, we, look, we know the Rangers are in the rebuild. We know that they're trading away uh, – <coughs> excuse me, all their veterans – um, the well, I think Tampa they want to see. A, I think they want to see a lot of the like. Uh, who, one of their uh, the positives for them so far this year is one of the young forwards they got in the Tampa deal, Brett Howden, who's looked very, very good. So I think they want to believe it or not. I think they want to see with this new coach a lot of these youngsters and who they think is going to fit on how they move forward and. Who who isn't? And uh, you know, I think they've kind of the fact that they went with a one-year deal with Kevin Hayes, who's I, I think he's pending unrestricted free agency. He's facing so I, I you know guys like that. I think they're they're going to be evaluating. You know, um, you know, uh, you know guys like you know in terms of Jimmy Vesey. I mean, the couple of kids they drafted recently in the first round who are on this team, uh, they're not going anywhere. But um, I, I I really do. I think it's going to be an evaluation year for them. That's what. It's yeah, I mean, about. it's going to have to be. I mean, when you're when you're when you're get you know, basically trading away every veteran that you have, um, you you got to let you got to see what you got and and you know, you have your pecking order and you check your boxes on where you think your prospects are going to line up and. And what what your, your scouts are are telling you that you have, but until you actually see them on the ice, um, there's, you know, it's, it's all just smoke and mirrors until you put them in there for a stretch of games and see what you have. So, um, look, it looks to be a long a long season for the Rangers, but it's not a surprise either. We we knew this was coming, and and it's I don't. Here's 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 one thing that just occurred to me. You, you don't want to see, and and you tell me, Chris, this rebuild isn't going to be done next year. It's not going to be done the year after that. You're not going to be back in contention. I three years down the road, maybe before these guys that they they have their they put all their chips in in the middle of the table on uh, have enough experience to compete. Does that put um, Heinrich Lundqvist on the market? Later on in the season, I yeah, you know, Why I was thinking him? about that the other night. That kid yeah. doesn't. I mean, that he guy doesn't no, want to go. The thing is, this. though, he he has. Well, he loves living in New York, and he loves, sure. you know, uh, being a Ranger. So I don't know if it'll happen this year. The one team that would make total sense. Keep in mind, most <laughs> of the top. It's got to be a team that has Cup aspirations, and most of those teams are set with their, you know number one goaltender at least, is probably the St. Louis Blues. That's the only team I can think of which What about you Philly? Know, you look at the Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't know. Really believe I in don't, Brian I, Elliott. 
Yeah, they uh, they love Carter Hart though. They that's their goalie of the future. Whereas St. Louis right. doesn't have a Carter Hart. So Heinrich so, gives you your bridge. Yeah, I I, I don't think I don't think it'll, a it will happen this year, or b there will be a lot of talk about it this year. I can see next year that when we get to the midpoint next year, when he has keep in mind this is still has three including this year, still has three years to go on a contract that. You know, with a cap at around eight and a half, eight point six. So I can see if he, as long as he's healthy and playing at a at a high level, I could see him moving on by the trade deadline next season. But I, I don't, I don't think. Uh, and and keep in mind, the stars will have to align because he's going to have to be healthy, playing well, and he's going to be ha- willing to to move on and finish his career somewhere else. And while you might say, well, why wouldn't he? He's near. He's at the twilight of his career. I would think he would want to try to win a cup. He really loves it here, and it would have to be a kind of. It would have to be a special situation for him to sign off on that. And uh, I just want to get in on Detroit as well. Uh, and when I think of these two teams, you know, the, the name you might hear a lot for these fan bases is, is the kid Jack Hughes, who's everyone's talking about as probably the best. Right. Uh, draft prospect since uh, uh, since McDavid. Uh, everyone's raving about it. and these two franchises, their fans, that's what they could be thinking about this year. I mean, look, we know Detroit's belonging has been has not been good. It still isn't good. It, it's gotten older. Everyone, almost everyone on that unit except for Jasowski, the youngster who made the team, is <laughs> into his 30s. I mean, you got, uh, you, got uh, you know, the, the goaltending situation. You have Bernier, and uh, Jimmy Howard, okay, you know, okay goaltending at best. They got some talented young forwards, but uh, I know they're not in the greatest uh, top-to-bottom division, but I think it's going to be a long year for them as well. They have yet to win a game in the first four. They do have two overtime losses, if you will, or yep. loser points. So, But I think it's going to be a, it's gonna be a, a lean year in, in hockey town. Yeah, well, with the you know two two teams below them, even uh, we were kind of high on Florida. Um, they've only played two games, but they have one point and you know loser point, like you said. I like that phrase. And Edmonton, you have to put a point on the board. Um, of course, Edmonton's only played two games because for some reason they went to Europe at the end of the preseason and uh, then right. took a week off. So. Um, Hopefully Edmonton can get things going as well. But um, if you, if we're doing a reverse power ranking, there's your five. Um, Arizona Arizona hadn't scored in their two in their first two games. Um, Rangers, Florida, and Edmonton, and Detroit. Right? You could put Vegas in there as an honorable mention if they don't get out of today with a with a win. Right. Right. And. Uh, uh... Yeah, so I think it's I think it's going to be uh, tough sledding for those teams this year, and they're looking at the big picture and not, uh, you know, not. Uh, I don't think they're they're counting on printing playoff tickets. It was nice to see just to throw in there. Uh, Brady Tuchuk had a nice night. Uh, yeah, two goals the other night. Uh, I mean, it looks like he's here here to stay. I would imagine. Yeah, well, the, Ottawa needs a bright spot, right? They, they, everything yeah. going on with the drama and everything else with the Carlson and and <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's some of the 
to get the fans back into the arena if they had a bad taste in their mouth over the way the the management ownership are handling things up there. He he can come in and breathe breathe a nice little spark into things. Um, if he continues to play well, that's it's just a shot in the arm that Ottawa, the fan base at least, um, needed after let's face it, a brutal off season. Oh yeah, and it, it's you know they're up to nothing on the Kings right now. Oh wow. Wow. Uh, well, that's always tough. The Kings coming, uh, you know, all the way east, like we were just saying, uh, like we were just saying before, for the what the Knights have to do. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, with the specter of not having their top pick, and uh, you know, if they're going to be one of the bottom teams, that's just an awful situation, uh, and all the way around. So um, yeah, so. Uh, you just you hope you hope that this year is a little bit of a better year for Ottawa than than anticipated that they can surprise some some people not to make the playoffs or anything but to be you know let's say an eighty point team or so and also too that would take, since they don't have their first round pick you know instead of that pick being you know in the top three or even number one overall it's more like nine or ten not that not that that's a good situation but it's better. Yeah, not too bad. We're waiting for uh, our guest today, Arthur Staple, the great Arthur Staple, covering the Islanders for the Athletic. Um, We're going to go through the Islanders. You've uh, watched the on-ice product uh, of the Islanders so far. Give me a a rundown just real quick on on the early few games. How do the Islanders look? Well, I tell you that the the effect that Barry Trotz has had is uh, very prevalent. I mean... Last year, killing penalties. They were the worst team last year, killing penalties uh, in the league, and that statement alone doesn't do justice of how bad they were killing penalties. Hmm. So, so far, they're eight for eight killing penalties. So that has um, that has been a real nice thing. They seem to have played well, uh, playing much better with leads. Uh, they're doing all the little things. They're playing much more uh, defensive hockey, as one can imagine. Uh, Matt Barzell, who everyone was saying, like, well, now that John Tavares isn't there, uh, won't have, uh, you know, he's going to get the tougher assignment. He's off to a nice start. He has four points in the first three games. Um, you know, I haven't had an easy three games. I mean, they started the year in Carol- started the, the season in Carolina. Somehow Thomas Grice stole that game for them uh, with 45 saves and won that in overtime. Uh, they played Nashville at home, their home opener. Had a good game, but came up short, lost four three, and then went to care of the Sharks at home on on Columbus Day and beat them four nothing. So uh, they're back at it tonight in Nashville. Not any, and then they go to the three California teams. So, um, like I said, the power plays look real good. Andres Lee has a couple of goals. Um, you know, the, the the kids Pulak and Pelic, they're getting a lot of ice time. That you can see they're trying to build the uh, build them up. Um, Topola's been a, a pro's pro. So, I mean, it's a so, small sample size, but so far, so good for the Islanders. All right. Well, let's bring in our featured guest of the afternoon, Arthur Staple. You can follow him on Twitter at Stape Athletic, S-T-A-P-E Athletic. Covers the Islanders for, for the Athletic. Uh, Arthur, thank you for taking the time this Saturday to uh, talk a little Islanders hockey with us, sir. Good to be here, guys. All right, well, let's jump right into it. Let's uh, put our final thoughts on Tavares. Um, the longer it went, the the writing seemed to be on the wall. 
that, that he probably wasn't going to be back. Um, your, your thoughts on, on how management handled the Tavares situation and, and were you surprised at how long they let that go? I was, and I really, you know, uh, Garth Snow definitely uh, takes a lot of responsibility for the way that the team looked uh, in that final year and into the offseason, uh, his last offseason before Lou Amarillo let him go. But really, you know, from the time that Tavares uh, informed the Islanders uh, after the 16-17 season that he was going to play out the final year of his contract, uh, it was really between his camp and ownership, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky. And that uh, certainly at the time and in hindsight, uh, seemed to be an opportunity for them to at least put a deadline on um, this decision for Tavares, to, whether it was before last season, uh, you know, around the time just before Christmas when uh, when they announced that they were going to be building a new arena at Belmont Park Racetrack, or even at the trade deadline, they would have been able to recoup some assets. It would have been a, sure. a, a tough pill to swallow after all that time, but uh, it's still something that needed to be done. So there was a lot of blame to go around and really, you know, John was still considering the Islanders pretty strongly up to the very last minute, and I think it was a tough decision for him. But that having it go so long also kind of hurt the Islanders uh, preparing for free agency or preparing for life after Tavares with Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trot. So it was uh, it was a lot of fingers to be pointed. But uh, and in the end, you know, Islander fans were pretty miserable and uh, had a lot of anger over it, and uh, they they really spread it around for sure. Well, in my opinion, I I think. There was a, a line that 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 they didn't want to go past, um, and having having Matthew Barthol come up in in phenomenal rookie season, and maybe even has some skill that he brings to the table that that Tavares does not um, at this point in Tavares' career. Um, how how much of the safety blanket was? was Matt Barzal's emergence in, in being willing to toe the line on what you were willing to pay to Barz. I, I think as, as the NHL goes towards more of the speed skill type game and the rules and the goalie pads and, and everything that the league's doing to promote the offense and, and the speed of the game, um, is Barzal the safety blanket and, and I think uh, uh, the number one center uh, in the future and and possibly – that had a lot to do with, with why Tavares finally was, was let go. Um, you know, I think they would have been happy to have John back at any pretty much sure. any price. It would have been, uh, it would have been a, you know, you can see even now they, they're, they're in the middle, you know, getting into the season with 11 million or so of cap space. They weren't, that definitely wasn't the major issue. I think it was, uh, you know, they, they're happy to have Matthew Barzell after the, after Tavares decided to walk, I'm sure uh, the misery would be even deeper if uh, they didn't have him as, uh, as right. the backup plan B at number one center. But um, but yeah, I think I think having them both definitely benefited both of them uh, last year, and and I think you can see this year, you know, it, it has a lot to do with what Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz want to do. Some of the guys that they brought in as free agents, uh, how they're trying to play after giving up the most goals in the league last year. Uh, you know, Barzal is a special player, and they want him to do what he's going to do. But I think they're they're preaching defense and they're preaching structure. And uh, you know, three games is not a is not a big sample size, but so far that uh, I think they've they've started to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Well, if anything is a hallmark of a Lamarillo built and Trotz coach team is defense and structure. Uh, that's that's uh, that's a signature of both of those guys. Lose franchise building and Trotz is coaching. Um, let me go ahead and bring in Chris. He he also covers the Islanders uh, for the HockeyWriters dot com, uh, and you guys can go to Chris's content at the NL King on Twitter. Chris, go ahead. 
Hey, Arthur, it's a real pleasure. I've been reading your columns for a very long time. So um, where do you see Arthur as the blueprint for Lou and Trotz? I mean, they have some nice young pieces on the roster here in Barzell and Pulak and Beauview. They got some kids knocking on the door in Bridgeport and and more more also in junior and in Europe. Um, But what do you see as the blueprint to taking pieces and to – putting it all together and become, dare I say, a contending team. You know, I think that uh, they do have some good pieces. Really the, you know, kind of the, the other key part uh, after Tavares left was, was the, uh, the proceeds that they got from the Travis Hamannick trade to be able to have those two extra picks in the first 43 uh, in last June's draft. You know, I, I think Lou was certainly ready to wheel and deal uh, if, if they didn't have Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson follow them at 11 and 12, um, you know, and even in the second round getting a, a first round talent like Bodie Wild and maybe a, a hidden gem in Ruslan Eskakov, um, you know, that really, that really deepened uh, a prospect pool that was pretty darn thin. Um, so I think that, uh, that helps them build a foundation and a base. And then going forward, you know, I, I think they've, they feel like, uh, you know, this season is, could go a lot of different directions. Obviously, they, they put the C on Anders Lee, um, but he's still playing out, uh, at least for now, the final year of his deal. So is Jordan Eberle, so is Brock Nelson. I think they've got some guys that, that could bring them back some more assets if the season starts to go south. Um, and then going into next offseason, a ton of cap space. You know, you, you're looking at with those contracts coming off the books, if they don't replace them, they, you know, they might have $15 million or so to, to play around with. So then you start thinking about will there be a number one goalie like a Sergei Bobrovsky available as a free agent? Um, will they be able to swing a, a trade for um, the next marquee player that's uh, not interested in signing where he is long term? You know, I, I think they've left themselves some good options. The part where you get a little hesitant is to see the guys that they did bring in with all that space and all that opportunity. Uh, you never know with Lou whether it was, you know, it, you can be sure that he cast a wide net and made as many offers as he could, whether it was free agents or trades. Um, and I think in the wake of Tavares leaving, it's going to hurt them uh, on the free agent market a bit until they until they get back to that level of respectability. But, but yeah, there's some good pieces, and I think that the biggest the biggest part is they've got Barry Trotz. Uh, they've got a system that they play that that they look like they can play well, um, and they've got options in terms of flexibility with cap space, flexibility with assets some young guys that maybe will be ready in a year or two to replace some of their aging core. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's hard to tell the swallow for this year, but I think the, the, even the short-term future is a lot brighter than you would have thought it would be. No, Arthur, I think Lou has a, an interesting road to figure out to go in terms of the goaltending after this year. Let's assume for a second that Robin Leonard is not going to be one of the stories of the season and he's going to be more of a stopgap guy. Uh, knowing following, obviously, being in this area, you know the Devils well in terms of how Lou runs his team. Does Lou, he can go one of two ways here. He could, after the season, see if he can pry a Corey Schneider, if he's healthy, out of New Jersey, or go after Bobrovsky. Maybe he's a free agent at that point. The Islanders are not, uh, you know, they have some talented kids, as you know, in in the pipeline. Uh, one of which, I mean, if now that the the American series is over, maybe we can get Matthew Reese and Kerry Russell to get Ilya Sorkin out of Russia. Uh, I mean, they, they could have a number one goalie on their hands. They just he's in Russia. Uh, so they could go that route as well. 
But, you know, also if they went the route of the proven guy, like Bobrovsky, it would give Lou some big-time trade ammunition with these kids that he has between Sorkin, Soderstrom, and the, the kid they tripped in the third round last year. Any idea of which way Lou would lean? You know, I think uh, I think they were they were pretty much all in on trying to get a, a number one goalie this past off season. There weren't a lot available. You know, he, he made an offer for Philip Grubauer, who ended up going to Colorado because that was kind of in that waiting period for Tavares. And I don't think that Lamarillo could afford to take on Brooks Orpik's uh, contract, which was kind of the, the cost of doing business for Grubauer. Not that he's necessarily the guaranteed answer. Um, but I think that's where they'd like to make a, a permanent splash. Sorokin is obviously a highly talented guy, and they're certainly keeping tabs on him. If they got another year after this left on his contract, if they strike out on getting a number one goalie, maybe they can entice him to come over and, and show him that he'll just step right in and be the number one. You know, uh, Linus Soderstrom looked like he was going to be a guy who, who got to show something this year, uh, at least in the AHL, and his mysterious uh, injuries have set him back. He hasn't been on the ice in months, so that's turned into a bit of a problem situation. Jakob Skarik, the third round pick they made this year is a, is a young guy who um, is a few years away, but, but shows some promise. So yeah, I think that may be the area of greatest need for them. And like you said, if they can get Bobrovsky here, uh, that opens them up to, you know, maybe it perks up some, some years around the league and, and a guy who's got a no trade who isn't happy in his current situation says, Hey, now the Islanders have a goalie. They've got some good pieces. Maybe I want to go there and help them win. So, yeah, I think uh, I think if one domino can follow for for Lamarillo in terms of a big acquisition, either through free agency or a trade, then I think some other dominoes could fall as well. I got one more for you, Arthur, and then I'll let Mark give you one last question. And that is Anders Lee. You know, uh, early in the summer, uh, I was reading that uh, Lee's camp approach Lou, Lou's like, I want to take some time, I want to take a breath, wait and see, and then in September it was reported in a couple places, they were progressing nicely on a long-term deal, now uh, maybe I'm, you know, assuming here, I read that, and then I see he's named captain, I mean, I find it hard to believe that Lou and Trotz, or specifically Lou, would have him named captain, and if indeed they are talking on a long-term deal, that he wasn't confident that a deal is going to get done and that he feels that Anders is going to be a big part of this team moving forward. Am I uh, connecting the dots too much here? Uh, no, I think that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty logical, smart assumption to make that uh, they're not, they're not slapping the C on someone who's, uh, who's going to be out the door either at the end of the season for nothing or at the trade deadline for some assets. So it certainly could be a possibility that they gave him the captaincy in the hopes uh, of adding to a possibility of signing a contract, but that's not the way Lou operates. So, um, yeah, I would agree that I think of those those three guys on that second line that are free agents, uh, you know, Lee was probably always the one that was going to be the had the best chance of sticking around, uh, mostly because you know partly because of the goals and the way that he plays. Uh, you know, certainly on the power play, it's not contingent on having John Tavares there. Uh, but also the, the kind of person that he is. And um, naming him captain seemed like a no-brainer for Barry Trotz and his coaching staff after just being around Lee for a few weeks. And uh, a lot of the guys on the team seemed like it was a no-brainer for them. So, yeah, I, I think it would be too big a blow to have that happen two years in a row with your captain. So uh, I think you're on the right track that there's an extension coming, whether it's 
eight years and seven million per, or some seven years, seven seven and a half million. I think we're looking at something like fifty million total, and um, that's yeah, right in line. I think that's the magic number. Territory, so yeah, so that's you know that's about right, and you know he doesn't play the kind of game that uh, you know a, a speed game like we were talking about earlier. That uh, that's the new NHL, but being a throwback, I think only and succeeding at what he does only makes him more. Uh, enticing to throwback fans like Lou and Trot. So yeah, I think uh, I think I think he's going to be sticking around for a while. All right, we're talking with Arthur Staple from the Athletic on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter again at Stape Athletic. Um, you mentioned a minute ago, this is Mark again um, about having having Bobrovsky come in and be a domino that falls that can attract some other free agents to fill out the young guns on the roster. I could make the argument that the first domino domino to fall into place is the hiring of Barry Trotz in the off season, bringing in a Stanley Cup champion coach um, with with years of, of successful hockey and, and it, well, you know, obviously universally respected around the league. Um, how quick how quick did that deal get done and and we could already see his impact on the team Chris mentioned that they were just horrendous on the penalty kill last year and so far in the young season they've killed 8 out of 8 penalties so you you are you already starting to see the effect of that on the ice so how how quick and how surprised were you that that deal got done the way it did and what is the trots effect on bringing other free agents and on the on the play on the ice going forward I mean, it's a, he's got a big impact on, on a lot of things. I think, you know, uh, if you're a fan of the Islanders and you've been a fan for a long time, you know, you can say we've never had a coach like this since Al Arbor. I think that doesn't even qualify. They've wow. never brought in a guy who's won a Stanley Cup elsewhere, had the kind of coaching pedigree. Al Arbor had been a coach for a couple of years in St. Louis, but uh, but he was pretty green when he took over the team in the 70s and, um, you know, obviously built himself into a hall of fame coach and is one of the greatest of all time, but Barry Trotz is already there. And uh, so, you know, and the, and the sort of salary that they're throwing around is, uh, is unlike anything Islanders ownership has greenlit in the past. So yeah, it, it makes a big difference. And I think you go back to the summer, there were definitely some whispers, uh, you know, during the finals that Trotz was not happy with the situation. He'd, he'd, you know, come close to being let go when the caps were slumping early in the year. There was definitely some right. friction there between him and, and, and the front office and ownership. So as soon as it was over, it started to, you know, Lou Lamarillo, there was definitely some rumors about uh, DJ Smith, an assistant in Toronto, some other guys, Sheldon Keefe, the, the Toronto AHL coach, about guys he might want to talk to. But really, Barry Trotz was the one everyone kept coming back to. And, uh, you know, it didn't take very long for him to say, I think it was on a Monday that he was uh, he was resigning uh, as the Caps coach. Uh, and then I think that was when everybody was just sort of like, okay, when is this going to happen? And I, and uh, Lou is a determined guy. He obviously didn't succeed with Tavares a couple of weeks after that, but uh, but getting Trotz in made a huge deal, a uh, huge difference. And really, the, the guys that, that have worked with Barry for a long time, Mitch Korn coming in to be the director of goaltending, Lane Lambert coming along, these are guys that have worked together for two decades. They've had success. They know what works. There's no wavering from it. And I think really the thing that a lot of guys talk about is the the calmness on the bench and the confidence. There's no hair on fire type situation, which, uh, you know, I think happened a little bit last year with a rookie coach and Doug Waite and, uh, and happened a little bit with some assistants in the past under Jack Capuano. Um, I think just that, that authority and that, uh, you know, we've, we've seen every situation before and has really helped them in this early stage and it helped them certainly understand what he was talking about in training camp. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, th- thank you, sir, for taking the time to join us this Saturday morning. That's all we got. Um, let everybody know where they can find your stuff. Uh, well, I'm at uh, The Athletic. We got the app. We got theathletic.com. It's, uh, we cover every aspect of the NHL, and it's been a great uh, 10 months that I've been there so far And uh, at State Athletic on Twitter. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly been an exciting summer to be around the Islanders and an exciting summer to be working for a new outlet like that. So uh, it's all come together pretty nicely. Yeah, congratulations on that for sure. Definitely well-deserved, sir, um, with your work covering the Islanders over the years. Thank you again for taking the time, and we'll talk to you soon down the road. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, Arthur. All right, the great Arthur Staple jumping in the box with some good insight on the Islanders, Chris. Yeah, no, he's been covering the team for a long time. He covered uh, them for uh, New York Newsday, the, the big Long Island paper out here. It was the first blow last year for Islander fans to lose. They lost Arthur Staples to the Athletic, then they lost John Tavares. But um, yeah, I, I think I think the Islanders are an interesting team uh, from the standpoint of I, I think there's going to be a lot of news with them over the next several months, and and I don't think it's all going to be bad. Uh, I don't mean bad news, but you know I think there's going to be positive news in the near future on Anders Lee. I I, I think they're going to. I, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to surprise some people um, that, you know, everyone just thinks they're going to be a dumpster fire. And, and like you said, trots, trots and loot teams play defense and play with structure. So, um, Absolutely. you know, what, what will be interesting is what they're not going to want to lose assets like Jordan Everly, like Brock Nelson, if they don't feel like they're going to be part of the band moving forward. So how do they handle that in terms of uh, obviously if they're well out of the race they'll they'll clearly move them for future for the best future assets they can get. I mean, uh, for instance, I could tell you this: if they re-sign Anders Lee, which I'm pretty confident they will, you know, they they got a kid again. We'll bring it back to Vegas a bit. Uh, George McPhee, when he was on the show a couple of years ago, pounded the table for Kiefer Bellows, uh, uh, Brian Bellows' son, and his time is almost ready. I mean, you can make an argument. He should have made the team at a camp. He had a real good, real strong training camp. He's in the AHL right now, uh, to, you know, developing his game. Uh, Oliver, uh, Oliver, uh, Arthur mentioned Oliver Wolstrom, who was the 11th overall pick, was off to a, a real good start um, in the NCAAs. I think he's with BU. So, um, you know, those guys are going to be, I mean, Bell is going to be here this season at some point. Uh, and Wallstrom, if he's not here next year, he's here the year after. So, you know, guys like Eberle, you know, they're not going to be looking to give a five, six-year deal to because, you know, he, he, worst-case scenario in a couple of years, he's he's not going to be in their top six. So, um, so like I said, I think they're going to be a team where there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff going on around them. And this is going to be an interesting week for for them, too, uh, from the standpoint of, they got to, I mean, pretty hard to come up with a road trip that's more difficult than, you know, you got Nashville tonight, and then you go to the three California teams. You got Anaheim, you got L.A., and you got San Jose. I'm not sure if they go to L.A. first or Anaheim first. I know they finish in San Jose, and obviously they just beat San Jose, so that's going to be fresh in their minds, too. So uh, I'm curious to see uh, how the Islanders do on this trip. How do they play? Um to me, if they can play, uh, continue to play well and go two and two, uh, I think an Islander fan should be thrilled with that. 
Yeah, well, the, hard to come up with a road trip as bad as that, except for the one the Golden Knights are on, where you go Minnesota, <laughs> Washington, Philly, back to back, and fi- or Washington, Pittsburgh, back to back, and then finish with Philly, um, and get spanked by a, a revamped Buffalo team in the process. Uh, yeah, I, I think as the way that uh, San Jose's up and down, I might rather go on the California road trip right now than what the Knights are doing. By the way, it's nothing, nothing after two. And uh, Flurry with a save of the year candidate on Claude Giroux, Dominic Hatchick style, flopping, flopping to his glove side and, and stone cold robbing Giroux. Um, Giroux came from the left circle, uh, undressed Merrill coming through and uh, wide open that. And Flurry somehow made it back and, and put a glove on it and stopped it to keep it nothing, nothing. Um, and we're in that intermission right now. So <laughs> uh, they're, they're fighting. They're fighting. I saw some on Twitter right now. He goes, this could be one of Flurry's best saves of his career. So make sure you, when you we're done here, get on Twitter and check that out. Cause I'm going to be rewinding the DVR to look at that in real time. It looks amazing. <laughs> so let's just, uh, let's jump uh, with our new uh, segment for this uh, year, the, the overtime OT, segment. Baby. And, and we was, I was, you know, texting you during the week, and it just seems these rash of injuries. Well, we had some some big injury news right before the start of the season. I mean, we knew that Shea Weber was going to miss a good chunk of time. Corey Crawford wasn't a surprise, was going to need it some time before he started the season. And then we got the news right before the start of the season on Seth Jones and Corey Perry. But since the start of the season, and the season's only a little over a week old, I mean, you have Roberto Luongo went down with a knee. He's out you know, two to four weeks, probably closer yep. to four than two. Matt Murray injured again, concussion. Um, again. Week to week, probably. Yeah, Van Riemsdyk, five, six weeks. Krug, ankle, three weeks. Hamannick, injured again, foot, fractured foot, uh, to be determined. Dubinsky, even though he's not, you know, he's a good player. He's got off to a good start. But Bleak, he's out four to six weeks. Um uh, uh, which, you know, already hurting without Seth Jones over there. Your, your buddies, Dustin Brown on L.A., he's out for a while. Quick as week to week, although I have to say, Jack Campbell, hello, although I don't know if he's playing today, but he, he, he had a, some kind of week, uh, but he's week to yep. week. Joe Thornton, week to week with a knee infection. And then the other day, Nolan Patrick got hurt, upper body. He's out about 10 days or so. So, uh, and connecting yeah, left just, practice yesterday and, uh, played oh. in the first quarter and, and had to leave, leave the game. He was, after an awkward hit, he was trying to deliver, ended up face down on the ice. So he left practice yesterday and was questionable today. And then he left the ice. I haven't been able to see, obviously, if he made it back onto the ice or not. Uh, yes, Jack Campbell is in that today. Uh, he's given up three goals in one period. So. Not, yeah, well, I can't blame him. I mean, the guy, the guy played uh, unbelievable. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, in the two games, I think the game uh, was it against the Red Wings. Uh, is, I, did he have over forty saves in both of his wins leading into today's game? I can't say for sure. I know he. Not, yeah, I know he played really, really well. So shutout uh, all 40, 40 saves, forty saves shutout. Yep. And let me go back real quick. 30, 38 saves against Winnipeg. Okay. Almost. So, yeah, Almost. 70, yeah. So, 70 something out of, out of 81 or whatever that adds up to isn't too shabby. Pretty um, good. 
Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. But the Kings, yeah, the no, Kings have a history of of their backup goalies coming in and playing well. I mean, yeah, Martin sure. Martin Jones, Who's their goalie coach. Yeah, <laughs> system <laughs> system and coaching, sir. System and coaching. Uh, Jonathan Bernier looked like a world beater, and he's become a pedestrian journeyman. Martin Jones, uh, Peter oh, really? Budai had Vezina type, yeah. yeah, had Vezina type numbers into January, and he's actually. If I'm looking at it right, he's back with the club and the backup today. Um, so may, maybe Campbell needs a little rest to let Budai in again because he played really good for him too. But yeah, the I don't know if it's a, a a a thing with the injuries that I mean the preseason's just getting too long. Teams are playing eight ten games in the preseason now, which I right. think is ridic- ridiculous. It's just money for the owners. Uh, that, I mean that's yeah. that's the only reason you're doing that. Um, you can figure out what you need to do in five games, I would think. Um, but pack, packing in eight to ten games in the preseason, um, I don't know if that's doing early wear and tear at, at a higher clip. Um, I, I don't know what's leading. There's a whole bunch of injuries, too, that we didn't mention. That's just like right. key personnel. Um, uh, so I, I don't know what, what is leading. And obviously not to mention um, – Tuck got hurt in the eighth preseason game. Um, it's making a big impact on, on, on the Golden Knights here early in the season. Um, we, out of those injuries that we did mention, though, Chris, what do you – I think maybe – and you th- and we want to say Getzloff and Perry both missing time, right? But the, 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 they're doing the, the smoke and mirrors in Anaheim again. Um, if Konechny misses any time and JVR's out um, – Yeah, that's – that's a lot. Yeah, which which you teams know, you think two. are going to be be most affected besides well, Philly the, and Anaheim? The goal the goaltending is always tricky. I mean, I know um, the the kid who played um, against Vegas uh, the other night played pretty good. But I mean, if memory's out for a considerable period of time, yeah, I know they brutal. they can outscore people and things of that nature. But um, that's something How I would kind of circle last? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jerry did a, you know, Tristan Jerry did a decent job last year as the backup after after uh, they, the veteran route didn't work for them. Um, so, but, you know, I look at the goaltenders, both Murray and Luongo. Because, you know, what buried Florida last year was a rough start, and then they were had one of the best records in hockey from January 1st on, but they just missed the playoffs. So, um, if, you know, James Reimer... Uh, can he hold the fort? Um, I mean, he's a good goalie. He's not a Optimus number Ron. one, but he's a yeah, the he's, a, he's a one eight. <laughs> yeah, he's like a one A guy. So, but those are the two I would kind of, I would kind of circle uh, in terms of the long goal Murray. Right. Yeah, I would keep my keep my eye out for them. But I, you make a good point about Philly. I mean, yeah, again, you know, they just signed J just brought JVR back, and he's out now, you know, to the middle of November or so, and. And if Kaneki's going to miss some time as well, so that, that's a, that's a that's a hit to the to that group. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're playing really good today, from what I can follow on uh, on on Twitter here. So yeah, we'll see how that yeah, shakes so, out. Yeah, well, it's uh, maybe the game's destined for overtime. So uh, all right, well, we got a couple real more good shows lined up. I'm working on, believe it or not, three weeks from now. But next week. Um, we have Gabriel Foley, and uh, will be our third straight first-time guest. 
Sweet. With the I love last that. Word of, uh, last, last word of sports, going to talk about the St. Louis Blues, who I think is one of the real interesting stories we mentioned before. They made all these big moves in the summer, both, uh, you know, trades and free agency. Uh, so we're going to dive deep. If, if they should be in the same breath of uh, those other big teams out west. And then two weeks from today, uh, we're going to have Russ Cohen back, uh, Sportsology's own. Uh, you can find Russ at, at Sportsology. Our shows are up on his uh, SoundCloud page. Um, so just type in Russ Cohen on SoundCloud. Um, mostly Flyers. And I, I said, can we sneak in a question, even though it's early, about the draft, you know, just to get a, a, a little tidbit, a little uh, little, little bite out of uh, – one question about uh, the draft. So he said, okay, we could do one question. So, but mostly <laughs> on the flyers. Uh, all right, all right. It is, it is early, you know, whatnot. So, and he had a nice tweet out the other day, uh, the other day, uh, a couple minutes ago, uh, as we were finishing up with Arthur, I saw it, that uh, he said that Flor- he tweeted out that Flurry's putting on a clinic. So, uh, um, what That's happened? what I'm he's saying, at, he too. Covers the fl- yeah, he's, 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 I'm sure he's at the game. So uh, that's the next two weeks, and then I'm working on uh, some more guests as well. So I like to go east to west, and then west back to east each week if that's possible. So this week we did, you know, last week we did the Coyotes, this week we did the Islanders, next week we're doing the Blues, and then the week after we do the Flyers. So I'd like to get someone on about the Ducks. So I'm I'm working on that as uh, as we speak. So uh, for the for the following week, they see where they're All at right. at that point. Well, things are things are coming along great. We we about to crack seventeen thousand listens. So thank you everybody for coming along, paying attention, listening to the shows. We we appreciate you guys. Um, I'm gonna go watch the rest of this game. It looks like it's getting pretty intense. Uh, so tune in next week. We're gonna obviously hopefully talk about some Vegas Golden Knights wins, and we're gonna talk some yeah, Vegas Blues hockey. And one last thing. Again, thanks to Arthur Staple. Please follow sure. him. Uh, he's a great writer on the, at, at the Athletic. His uh, Twitter handle is at Stape, S-T-A-P-E, Athletic. So um, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C. So he, he yep. really does a great job covering hockey. So uh, maybe we could sneak him in uh, before the trade deadline. And, and one other future guest I'm thinking about, we got to get our buddy Lyle Richardson over at Spectres Hockey if this Nylander thing is still kicking around come early November. All right, all right. Well, that that's going to do it for this week. For Chris, I'm Mark. And go watch the game. <laughs> Oh,